Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Frog Snacks Podcast. It is episode 121, and it is the fourth and final episode of the fighting game suite that has been, has been going on for uh, the whole month of July. Uh, this episode, we wanted to focus on pretty much the future of fighting games. Uh, we, we are in a comparatively very good spot, but uh, there's always a lot of focus on improvement, especially in fighting games where oftentimes you'll go to a, a, an event, a competitive event, and there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of several different games being played. You know, it, it's not so much like the MOBA community, right, where you would go to a Dota event and it would be just Dota, or a League event and it would be just League, or a CSGO mm-hmm. event and it would be just CSGO, and then an Overwatch event like that. You go to a fighting game event and it's this constant rotation of fighting games. So because of the nature of that, there's always a really big focus on, okay, what's what's the new hotness, you know, what's going to stick around, um you know, where's the player base headed? And so it's kind of something that you always have to keep, um, keep in mind when you're, when you're following the FGC. Um, there's, there's never even the same roster of games from one Evo to the next as we saw and as we talked about in last week's episode. So speaking of Evo, there were uh, a few announcements. It's, it's become kind of like a, a, a platform for news uh, to come out about the FGC as well, because it's essentially a fighting game convention. So there were a few games that were announced. We went over them briefly uh, last episode, but we will go over them again because it kind of fits into what we're, the point we're trying to make for this uh, for this this uh, episode discussion, right? Yeah. So uh, so why don't I why don't I kick it off to Frog? Uh, why don't you um, talk about some of the games that were announced and why they're important and what do you think the purpose of in terms of the whole idea of developing it in the first place? Right. So there's a lot that came out of Evo. As you said, it really is now a full-blown convention. And I think going to Evo reinforced for me the... The, the whole idea that we've talked about a lot on this show about the plurality of, or I should say the pluralism of the games industry in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, every scene now is such a world unto itself that you really have to spend time in it just to you know stay abreast of everything that's going on and, and really understand. Mm-hmm. So, for example, just going through this list. So first big thing is that uh, we already knew Evo Japan was happening, but we got the lineup from uh, this this uh, past Evo for what's going to be there, which is going to be uh, Tekken Seven, Guilty Gear Xrd, uh, King Fighters Fourteen, Blaze Blue Central Fiction, Smash Wii U, and of course SF Five, uh, which is a pretty good lineup. Notably, no melee. Oh yeah, Arms is also in it. Yeah, which is going to be really interesting. Which is going to be super interesting. We noted last week about the potential um, for some crazy competition, so I won't go over that again. But Evo Japan for sure is going to be, um, I would say, it's going to be a pretty big part of the future of this whole scene. 
we haven't seen a major Japanese open tournament for a while. Uh, and Evo obviously has the the name to command uh, a lot of attention and prestige when they roll into town next year. So it's, that that's going to be a pretty... I think that's going to cause at least a little bit of a shift because once I'm sure there are going to be some people who come out of nowhere that could go from, you know, nobody land to maybe even sponsorship just off the back of crazy performance at Evo Japan, Mm -hmm. which then has the potential to send waves throughout the entire competitive calendar, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big deal um, for obviously all the reasons that we just mentioned, but you know, we're talking about, you know, this whole thing becoming more global. Well, if some of these guys can get exposure at Evo Japan, like you said, there's more room for a lot of the existing like Capcom Pro uh, events that that happen in in the region as well. So, I mean, there is I'm looking at the Capcom Pro Tour schedule, right? There's um, uh, part of the Capcom Pro Tour hits Hong Kong, um, Indonesia, um, you know, this is, there are, there are scenes in place, but I'm sure, like we mentioned, Malaysia, uh, Taiwan, another Chinese event, um, and this is all slated for the remainder of the year. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this might not, this might be a, you know, like a slow ripple effect type of thing where, you know, 2019, 2020, you'll start to see a lot of the people who kind of started to get their name at Evo Japan. But like you said, you know, this has the name to carry it. Um, Esports Festival Hong Kong is something that people don't know about, but it can only benefit from, you know, there being this way for people who otherwise might not be able to get to that event showing up to Evo Japan and making it out of pools and, you know, catching the eye of, you know, the commentating team and the, all of the, the Twitch eyeballs and possibly some sponsorships if they make it that far. Yeah, so that that if nothing else has the potential to uh, to to spice up even more the already pretty spicy competitive pool. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, next big thing we found out. Well, I'm not going into order of announcement, but uh, we know your boy Geese Howard, uh, <laughs> Fatal Fury, and King of Fighters fame. Uh, is going to make his way to Tekken 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I was never an SNK guy. That, as, as I've gone over before, I'm a little bit a Johnny completely to gaming. So SNK's era was already dead, 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 dead by the time I, uh, I started playing. But I'll tell you that being in arena and watching that trailer, I recommend people just look at the trailer just because it's so hype. Like... Shout out to Bandai Namco because their team knew exactly what to focus on in the trailer. Yeah. So, so yeah, Geese Howard's going to be super hype. Uh, nostalgia play, of course, but I think he's also going to be just a really interesting character to add to the lineup. Actually, I saw today on Twitter, Markman, uh, the notorious booster now of, of the Tekken series, uh, formerly of Mad Cats was talking about how with Akuma being in the game and now Geese Howard being in the game, this is the closest we're getting to a new Capcom versus SNK. That's a good point. It is a good point. In a Namco game. So I'm like, right. that's pretty funny. But 
Uh, next thing, Street SF5 continuing the <laughs> late, but continuing the the DLC characters uh, reveal. They revealed Abigail at the show, mm-hmm. and uh, Abigail, uh, aka Big Ass Motherfucker, <laughs> yeah, uh, made his way. I believe he's from Final Fight. Uh, he made it, actually he came out in the game yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday. He came out Tuesday. Yeah, uh, and and uh, you know, Li Joe has already been you know streaming him, just like doing some lab work with him already. You know, um, everybody's so, been streaming him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm understanding that even Daigo already has some tech in the works, and it's only been a day. So mm-hmm. the competition is just it just goes to show you how hot the competition is. Yeah, everyone's in the lab right now with Abigail. Yeah, for real. So, now, I guess we'll talk the announcements, and then I want to get into the implications of some of them, because this is going to get some broader conversations. But, uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, something I definitely want to spend a nice chunk of time on. Yeah. But, uh, for right now, I just want to talk about they announced Trunks, uh... And they said that there's going to be the new beta. So that's going to be... That whole game is going to be amazing. But I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, on the Capcom side, they announced Jetta from Darkstarkers for Marvel Infinite. Uh, and given my very meager Vampire Savior experience, when I first saw him, I was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's the kind of character that people are saying. They obviously put him in the game to try and get a little goodwill given that so far we are pretty sure they're not going to be X-Men characters in Marvel Infinite Mm -hmm. due to the ongoing Marvel uh, Fox Studios beef. Which is, is, and I'll make this comment, it's shitty from the perspective of you're taking out legendary characters out of a game, but from a gameplay perspective, I'm actually behind it. Because the the X Men characters were the source of all the worst cheese <laughs> in uh, in in the Marvel series, Magneto, Storm, Sentinel, all X Men characters, and all the and literally ran Marvel two, mm-hmm. and early Marvel three. They're all really good. Actually, Magneto remains pretty uh, pretty good in the meta. Um, who else was? I mean, Wolverine wasn't broken, but he was annoying as hell in Scrubland. So, the and the list goes on from there. So, hopefully, this is a chance to at least get some new cheese. <laughs> uh, but then on the Arxis side, they announced both a that Jubei, one of the legendary swordsmen from the Blaze Blue franchise, is going to finally be a playable character. People lost their shit when they saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh and more interesting to me, they announced this was completely out of fucking nowhere. They announced that Blaze Blue cross tag battle is a thing. See, uh, okay, let me interject really quick. I am please. I am uh, very strangely hype for Blaze Blue cross tag battle. I am hype for this too. I I dabbled with Blaze Blue when it first came out back in like '09, and right. I remember like really digging it for a while. Mm-hmm. I had just got my, like, first edition uh, Mad Cats TE for, for Street Fighter 4, and then Blaze Blue came out, and I was, like, feeling it because I had, like, all the motions down, and I was like, this is this is kind of fun, I really like this, and um, 
I kind of I kind of just focused a lot more on Street Fighter because that was what everybody was playing, but also. I uh, thought I had a better command of it, and I kind of, I, I never forgot about Blaze Blue, and this now seems to me is like, kind of this, it's like, it's, it's like this statement that anime fighters haven't gone anywhere, we've all just stopped right. paying attention, and the roster already is like, ridiculous, I, I mean, they've got obviously like the Blaze Blue and the Arc System Works uh, people in there from Undernight in Birth and like Persona 4 Arena and even RWBY, which is super strange because it was, as far as I know, there has been no previous uh, collaboration between the system that, between Arc System Works and the development team for RWBY because RWBY was kind of just like a collaboration slash brainchild, maybe even developed directly by uh, the guys who used to do Rooster Teeth. Right. Yeah, if I recall correctly, I don't know too much about Ruby like that, but like I did mention last time, there was a rumor that Arxis was working on a Ruby fighting game, which already was nutty. But then the fact yeah. that no, it's actually part of a game where we're mashing up Blaze Blue, Ruby, Uniel, and Persona. I was like, what? Uh, so it's completely batshit insane. But it's yeah. going to be. And keep this in mind: this is Arxis we're talking about. So Arxis is notorious for their games having characters with their own systems. Uh, and each of those games has their own distinct flavor. Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining that they're going to be bringing... Like, I'm sure that the Persona 4 Arena system is going to be in the game in full in some form. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Unial system is going to be in there. The Blaze Blue system is going to be in there. And whatever they cook up for Ruby is going to be in there. So it's going to be completely absurd. Yeah, that's going to be hype. I'm ex- I'm excited for it. Hopefully, it's not a case of like too many cooks in the kitchen. But Arc System Works hasn't really um, made you know made any kind of like blunders in that regard, as far as I could tell yet. So I'm excited. I am too. Um, and then the last big announcement uh, is that which is. Something that I do take joy in, even though, again, I personally, I don't really have a dog in the fight. Uh, Arica, mm-hmm. the developers of Street Fighter EX, had done their April Fool's joke where they were teasing a new game. And apparently, because I read an interview with, with some folks from the studio later, that because the response to the April Fool's joke teaser was so great, they went ahead and actually started making a game. Uh, and so it's untitled right now, but it was at Evo and it got a very positive response from people who played the game at Evo and they're bringing back some, so Arica, when they did the Street Fighter EX series, of course they had the Street Fighter characters, but they had their own original characters too. And apparently they still retained the rights to those characters. So a bunch of the original EX characters that made their debut in that series will be making their way back to Arica's new fighting game. Uh, and they announced that at Evo. And again, people were losing their minds. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on for, for 2018. Um, <laughs> hilariously could even be out by April Fool's Day. Who knows? <laughs> that would be, uh, that'd be a nice come around. I, I, I would appreciate that. I really would too. Yeah. So that's what came out of Evo. So now let's, now that I set that table, Mm-hmm. I set that table for the listeners to impress upon them 
that the fighting game scene right now is, to be honest, unexpectedly vibrant. Yeah, um, it definitely is. So here's the thing, right? Like we like we said uh, earlier on in, in this one of the sweet episodes that fighting games have you know even though fighting games have kind of been like the uh, like the proto esport and have right. been existing in this tournament in this uh, like grassroots tournament form for a very long time. Right. They were. Uh, in terms of viewership and, you know, apparent popularity, have been quickly overshadowed by a lot of other games. And when we went to that event in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, you know, the the Street Fighter tournament, which a lot of the most well-known Street Fighter players in the world were in attendance, was kind of relegated to this, like, basement practice room while CSGO had the main stage. So... Yeah. You know, it would seem as though there's, you know, it's just simply, you know, it, it's ex- it's extant, but it is not as popular as some of the others. But the vibrancy uh, is certainly is certainly present and seems to be growing. And it may not translate to, you know, whatever league currently looks like or something like that, because it's, it is so inherently different. Right. But you're right. There's there's a lot of there there is a lot teeming below the surface. Uh, sh- uh fighting games is definitely the iceberg of esports. Yeah, yeah, for real because like my surprise when I finally left Evo and thinking about all the stuff that's going on, I said it's very interesting to me that as as we've been saying, the FGC is far and away the smallest altogether. You know, as you said before, the FGC is an amalgamation of all the fighting games that are on the market. And even all together, it is far and away the smallest competitive scene in gaming. Mm-hmm. But even with that, we the market is still bubbling with more games than I think we've seen even at the height of the renaissance, the post-SF4 renaissance, back in the 360 PS3 generation. Like, there's going to be a lot of games. There You're was right. nine games at Evo, and they and that was after they had cut other popular games. Mm-hmm. And now more have been announced. Yep. So, yeah, right now the vibrancy is crazy, which is wonderful, but it's actually, it's another thing that's funny is that we often talk about now how there are so many games to play, generally speaking, that it's impossible just to even keep up. Uh, now that is true just of fighting games. There's way more fighting games than any one person could even delve their toe into, which I never thought we would would see again. But here we are. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing, right? And And I think that this is... Um, it's interesting for a couple of reasons. I know, I know, I know that this was one that you wanted to spend a lot of time on, right? You had mentioned this, that you were going to, uh, spend a little bit of time talking about, uh, the new DBZ fighting game. And we've talked about this a lot off pod. Yep. And there is, uh, you know, when Street Fighter V was released, it didn't have a very smooth, release and to put it lightly and it it was kind of plagued with a lot of uh ui issues and 
just like general, just general stuff that, that made it kind of ugly and inaccessible and, and, uh, you know, the mechanics were there and, and people, you know, people, uh, you know, appreciated and, and lauded the mechanics. Uh, Largely. It is, it is the skeleton of a very good fighting game and it kind of had, a, it, it's been almost two years and it's had a very hard time shedding that reputation as being this like shaky, unfinished fighting game. So here we have this slew, this this uh, glut of new games coming out. Yep. Most of them look legitimately good, and a lot of them have a lot of hype surrounding them. But this DBZ one is a little different, and I think I'm going to have a hard time putting my finger on or at least articulating what makes it seem so different and why this seems to be the one that is kind of like rising through to become the one that people are already claiming to be the one that's going to, you know, really give SF5 a run for its money. But that's currently the discussion that's going on right now. So why don't you take over? Because I think that you have a lot more uh, coherent thoughts about this than I do. So this is another point that have been handy to have our good friend Prague here for it, but mm-hmm. uh, I will report what we had in our, our conversation. So to, to talk about DBZ, I have to circle back to Capcom again. What the One of the biggest peculiars of the FGC is that uh, the entire thing is unquestionably ruled by Capcom. Uh, like it or not, and a lot of the scene does not like it, particularly in the wake of SF5 struggles, Capcom rules this roost. Why? Because Street Fighter, at the end of the day, is the biggest brand name in fighting games in the entire world. Period. Bar none. Arguably, Tekken is a close second. But even so, everybody's mom has heard of Street Fighter. Pretty, pretty, after the SF2 heyday that basically invented the FGC as we know it, uh, everybody has at least heard of Street Fighter if not played it at some point, right? See, see now I'm trying to think if my mom has ever heard of Street Fighter. <laughs> Keep talking. I'm actually going to text my mom right now and see if she's heard of Street Fighter, but go, But your point is taken. Go ahead. Right. I would say, and even if your mom hasn't, I would say, I'll, I'll put this challenge out. I would say anybody who is, let's say, 45 and younger yeah. has definitely heard of, if have not, at least played, like SF2. SF2 is essentially the Super Mario Brothers of fighting games, right? It is the beginning, and it, it was the gen, it was the book of Genesis for the entire fighting game scene. And because of that, uh, Capcom has earned the, the, the throne, the right to dictate this scene from there. Mm-hmm. It's all, this is all business. So think about, and for the people that might dispute this point, think about this. When they went in there controversial creative direction for SF3 and SF3 tanked the rest of the fighting game world kind of went with it uh, true at the time there was an oversaturation of the marketplace there's no doubt but once Capcom was forced to kind of hang it up uh, yeah Namco was still pumping out their games etc etc but you didn't still the vibrancy of the scene basically went away. There's a reason why even uh, 
the top folks in the scene refer to the period from 2000 to around 2009 uh, as the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. Hilariously enough, Snacks, you and I, and our good friend Dingus in particular, we're children of the Dark Ages. Like, we started playing during that period. Yeah, and, I think and, the first the first fighting game that I picked up and played seriously was Tekken 3, which I think was 98. But mm-hmm. but still, like, I was a child. But when we started playing for real, I'm talking about. Yeah, and then for real, you know, I'm looking at 05, 06, 07, which right. is when I really... Literally the middle of the Dark Ages. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, uh, Tekken 5, I thought was like a huge, uh, a huge upgrade from Tekken 4. And that was when I was, the time I, I was late, but that was when I was really introduced to Third Strike. And, and then Smash obviously was ever present, but even still, like... That's Slim Pickens. Yeah, and the Smash scene was not what it is today. Like, the big, the tournament scene, we'll get to Smash later, but the Smash scene was just beginning to really coalesce, and, and then we had Brawl to contend with, which kind of threw things into a large disarray for a while. Mm-hmm. So even that did not become what it is until the Renaissance started. Uh, Tekken has also been ever-present, but never really caught on, at least um, competitively, in the same way that SF had. Mm-hmm. So and so now we get to the Renaissance. And again, what started the Renaissance? Street Fighter Four. Right. Once Street Fighter Four dropped, everybody was like, "Okay, we can make a real go at fighting games again." Right. So point being is up until. 2009, 10, 11, the, the FGC lived and died with Street Fighter. I mean, that is, I mean, if we're talking, ta- when I say live and die, I'm talking about a, as a, we're talking about products right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about products which then result in a competitive, a vibrant competitive scene. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there was always a competitive scene. In the, in the write-up from U.S. Gamer that we mentioned last week, again, re- highly recommended History of Evo write-up U.S. Gamer did, uh, they note that Evo grew throughout the entire Dark Ages. But there wasn't much else <laughs> other than Evo, right? So there always will be something, but when we're talking about the, the level of vibrancy that we see now, that was a product of the Renaissance and more people being brought on board. And that more people come on board because of Street Fighter. Because of the powerful brand name. That is simply the reality of the matter. Mm-hmm. So why do we lay all that out? The fact that Capcom is, you know, fucking things up right now is a big problem. Because if they come to a point where it stops being viable for them to do games, is the scene go- as a whole going to continue uh, as it has been going? I mean, people are saying, well... You know, Tekken and all these games are doing just fine, which they are, but they still all, at the biggest turn in the world, Evo, have fewer entrants by quite a bit than SF5 does, mm-hmm. even even as broken as SF5 is considered to be. So, enter Arc System Works. Arc, so 2018 is going to be the year of Arc System Works. Arc System Works, for those who don't know, the makers of the Guilty Gear, Blaze Blue... Uh, Undernight and upcoming Dragon Ball Fighter Z games uh, are considered by me and I think by many observers to be 
unquestionably the best developer in fighting games. Like, it, it, to the point where when I play Guilty Gear, I actually get mad. Because I'm like, this game is so well executed on every single front. And SF5, a, a game that I like, for the most part, is not. <laughs> yeah. You know? But far, far, far fewer people play Guilty Gear than do Street Fighter. Because of A, brand money, and B, the money that is in playing uh, SF5 competitively. So, the reason why people are so excited about Dragon Ball is because, finally, this could be Arc System Works' shot to get a game that not only the entire FGC would be interested in, but also many average people. Your average person does not know what the fuck Guilty Gear is. Yeah. Your average it, person does not know what the fuck Blaze Blue is. Yeah. Right? My, uh, uh, update. My mom doesn't doesn't think she's ever heard of Street Fighter, but I don't even have to ask her if she's heard of Guilty Gear because I know she hasn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, that was a good update, though. Thanks. Uh, so, but many, many people have heard of Dragon Ball. Forget heard of. Many people have a very a profound soft spot in their hearts for the DBZ series. Uh, in the fighting game scene, even, a lot of people don't play Arxis games because they're like, I don't want to play that anime bullshit. Which is wildly ignorant, but that is the reality of the situation. But people see DBZ and they're like, money is already being flung at whatever the nearest screen is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the DBZ game has the potential to finally have the name behind it to carry Arc System Works' super, super solid gameplay and and package to a broader audience, which could finally challenge the dominance of Capcom, at least on paper. Uh, Remains to be seen. Also should be said that, uh, and this is the conversation I had with Prague, that DBZ is a... I use the term shot across the bow at Capcom, in particular for Marvel. Uh, we know that SF5 has had a rocky launch. S- uh, freaking Marvel Infinite is not even out yet, and people are pissed. Yeah. But between the fact that there's probably not going to be X-Men people in the roster, uh, the fact that the roster itself looks pretty shaky mm-hmm. and possibly not plentiful enough, uh, concerns about if the gameplay is going to be solid enough since they are making a pretty drastic turn away from the Marvel 3 setup uh, to the graphics being really awful. Yeah, there's just not a lot of goodwill to start out with. Yeah. Uh, To the story mode not having impressed people when that demo came out. And then, of course, the usual concerns, are they going to ship another $60 game that barely warrants the price tag as far as what you get in the package Mm -hmm. uh, to already concerns about are they going to be walling off characters that people really wanted in the core game for DLC shenanigans later down the line. Like, the list goes on and on. Uh, And Dragon Ball Z is very clearly a trying to be in the Marvel lane. It's a three-on-three, super-hype, beams-flying-everywhere fighting game. So this is a direct shot at Capcom saying, well, if you can't serve the audience, we will. Yep. So 
this could be a very, very, very big game. Um, and it remains to be see what happens when the game is actually in people's hands, but I'm very hopeful. Uh, between that, the ongoing awesomeness of Guilty Gear, Blaze Blue is continuing to be hype, and they announced Cross Tag Battle, which should be, I mean, that's like a straight up for the anime heads game, but I think just because of the nuttiness of it, a lot of people will pay attention to it. So next year for sure is going to be the year of Arxis. Yeah, so you're saying it offers what uh, it, it looks like it's going to offer what a lot of current games do not, and it has the recognizability of DBZ behind it to get people exactly. in the front door. Exactly, exactly. So, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm praying that this is a rising tide lifts all boats, because I'm hoping people will be like, oh man, this DBZ game is so awesome. What else did this studio do? Oh, Guilty Gear. Yeah, you know, this is this is this is a good point, right? Because there's always this idea, right, that there's there could very easily be the like the next Daigo Umahara just hanging out somewhere who's never heard of a fighting game. Right. And the just just more eyeballs and more people through the front door is such a huge deal, right? It is. Like, it really is. You know, this is, um, you know, think of all these, I, I always think of these, uh, you know, countries that, you know, funnel all of their, their best athletic talents into like one sport, right? Yep. And it's just like, I feel like that's kind of what's happening now where, you know, if you are of a younger generation and you're saying, okay, I, I, I love competi- I love competing, I love video games, what's out there? They're looking at League, they're looking at Dota, they're looking at Counter-Strike, right? How do we and Overwatch. And Overwatch. And how do we not know that there is some FG prodigy floating right. around on Twitch somewhere? Right. And who and it, it's it's not really out of the realm of possibility to say that this person loves DBZ and says, oh, okay, you know, spends a lot of time on Twitch, whatever, they're young, and they say, I love DBZ, let me check this out, and they get their hands on it, and that's all it takes, and that person is the person we're waiting for, this, like, you know, this, like, second coming, you know, so I think about that all the time, and this could very well be that game. Yeah, I think about this all the time, and, and more people through the front door is something that we need, and I think that that was something that SF4 did, absolutely, but yep. SF, SF5 certainly did not do. It was, it was, at this point, old heads, and ones that weren't happy with the product at all, so yeah. didn't really do much as far as opening the door for a generation of gamers that looks so different than what it did in 2009, or 2008. It really has, and, and what a difference that only a few years make. I this like, is this is before Twitch. This is before league and and esports and and uh, before yeah. e league and before everything. Right, the e- e- esports. I don't even think was a word that was being widely circulated, if it even existed at all at that point. And no, in '09 it wasn't. And yeah, yeah, Capcom made SF five with esports as we know it today in mind mind, and yes they came out with a game that was mechanically very sound and kind of you know back to basics 
um, what a lot of Street Fighter fans were kind of uh, clamoring for, especially at the end stages of SF4. But who else became interested? Nobody, especially because this was one of those things where, okay, well, now there's this whole, you know, dearth of fighting games to to go out in. You know, the, in, even in between 2008 and 2015 when the games came out, many people, I, I would presume, had already not jumped ship, but at least spread out a little bit and, uh, you know, did a little of um, uh, a rumspringa to, <laughs> to other fighting games, right? I mean, yes, but, or more likely, stop playing fighting games for the most part at all. Because yeah. they still, because the reality is this, and I should probably I'll share with you later, Event uh, Hubs back in January had a chart that somebody had pulled together by like combing through a lot of um, available PS4 trophy data mm-hmm. and found out that we were able to put hard numbers on the fact that a very tiny percentage of people uh, make it out of even rookie, like in rank mode in SF5. Mm-hmm. Uh, given so, given the fact that SF5 already sold way less than SF4 and, and the like did, right? Uh, and then you subdivide that community. So you're talking about a very small in, in the grand scheme of gaming, a very small number of people who are actively engaged in the SF scene. Now, over the course of SF4's life, because they kept, you know, with the old school release five version box versions of the game strategy, uh, that happened because the casual players just dropped off once the next box version came. They're like, I'm not buying that. Uh, but we barely have even gotten off the ground in SF5. And kind of the broader point I was making here is that a lot of the the vast vast majority of people who may buy a fire game don't even want to go online. Mm-hmm. Don't even want to compete. They're like, I'm gonna buy this, play arcade mode here and there, and maybe I'll play with a couple of my you know similarly shitty friends, uh, <laughs> you know here and there. But that's kind of gonna be it. Yeah. It, and the fact that as a five barely accommodated that it really it straight up didn't at launch yeah because it was it was rushed out the door so that people could have enough time to practice for evo Mm -hmm. that was that was really it yeah uh and so there was really no concession to the vast majority of the people who are going to be playing these games so that's where everybody is in a tough spot um all the other fighting game developers have done a much better job of that. The problem is, of course, the eyeballs are just not on the scene like that. Partly because, as you said, there are now just so many more games and and the likes of League, Dota, Overwatch, CSGO are overwhelming in their influence. So it, it's a tough question, but again, I think that DBZ will definitely be able to pull a lot of eyeballs just off of the hype, and hopefully uh, Arxis' reputation will precede it in that regard. So let me add another wrinkle here yeah. that we should probably start talking about. Because mm-hmm. another, if we're going to talk about the future of fighting games, uh, we should talk about another ongoing debate. 
because it's also popped up with SF5, which is the whole accessibility debate. Right? Yeah. So there's this ongoing battle about how much do we design these games in a way that uh, allows new people to not immediately get annihilated versus keeping it interesting for the people who are most loyal and play, you know, at the highest levels of competition. So first, why don't I ask what your thoughts are on that? On... Insofar that you, if you've thought about that one anyway. I I haven't. Uh, Give me your thoughts. Okay. So... When it comes to accessibility, right? Mm-hmm. And this comes from, as, as you know, somebody who is, I'm not good. Yeah. Right? Improving, but not good. So, but what I consistently come back to is, I don't think that games should necessarily be designed around new people. Yeah. But what we, I think developers should get more creative and ambitious about and this is also something I think Arc System Works does better than everybody, mm-hmm. is giving players tools within the game itself to learn the game properly. This is a question that doesn't have an answer, right? Because, all right, the tools thing is, you know, how exactly... It, it's tough because... Okay, so there are a few... Every once in a while, the, there will be some, like, rogue developer who is like, okay... I am going to make a game. I'm going to make a fighting game. And this fighting game is going to have a very light learning curve. You are going to have to know what the button for jump is and kick and punch and, you know, maybe like some type of command. But you're not going to be able, you're not going to have to be able to nail down like intricate uh, stick commands to get you know, to get your, your like, uh, you know, DP cancel into super, right? Right. Or something like that. And the answer is always the same. And the answer is always, um, why and, you know, what ser- what purpose does it serve? And, you know, w- and we do not want this, Right. I think the problem is, is that they, they think, I think that developers and people like who want to see the FGC grow will mm-hmm. look at what it takes to get into an F, a fighting game seriously and say, I take this back. I have thought about this a lot. I guess I just didn't understand the question, but the, I guess, I guess the, 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 the thing is, okay, you, you see this gap Right? right, between someone who likes video games and somebody who competes at Evo, right? Mm-hmm. Whether they make it out of the group stages or not, doesn't matter. This person, right. this person speaks a language that that other person does not. Yes, and it's how many people are looking at fighting games and saying to themselves, "I do not want to learn." how to perform a quarter circle. Therefore, I am not going to ever pick up a fighting game. I will tune into Evo once a year and I'll watch, I'll watch the, I'll watch the top eight. But, uh, the idea of performing a quarter circle 
is too ridiculous and too difficult for me. I tried it once. I couldn't get it on the first try. I therefore hate fighting games and don't want to do it. And I think that there is this per- this perception that there are a lot of people who think like that. And I do not think that that is the case. I think that if you play video games, right, at all, mm-hmm. you've already done this. You have already picked up a game that you have said to yourself, I want to play this game and I want to, I want to, you know, be able to at least, you know, get halfway through the game, right? Right. And there is always, always, I am almost 30 years old and I have been playing video games for my entire life. I do not remember a point in my life where I wasn't playing video games. Right. There are still, in 2017, games that are coming out where I have to learn how to play, right? Right. I have a very good... um, uh, background and, and I and I can pick up a lot of what the game is trying to throw at me, probably more quickly than say my mom who has literally never heard of Street Fighter. Right, right, right. But 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 I can play all of the Souls games and then be handed Neo in 2017 after countless hours playing all the Souls games, beating all of them, and still having to relearn how to play this game that has been described and. Every, uh, you know, gaming journalism website as a souls like, right? There is, there's, there's no, I, I, I think that there is so few people, so few, uh, self-described gamers out there who have just straight up given up on a fighting game due to the mechanical know-how. I don't think that there is – I think there, there are more people who have given up on fighting games because of the higher stakes of the competition than there are with people who literally can't get their foot in the door because they can't nail a dragon punch. I think that that is the ultimate accessibility problem. And I don't think that it is mechanical. I think that it is community-based. And that's not to say that the fighting game community isn't welcoming or isn't, you know uh, – you know, uh, uh, understanding or open of people who are, are trying to get in, right? I, I would, um, though, to be honest, mm, it's not necessarily great in that regard. It's not great, but there are far worse communities sure. out there, right? Take the league community, for example, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Notorious, right? The notorious. fighting game, the fighting game community could be better. Sure. But it is not notorious for, uh, blocking entrance, right? Right. Right. So, and I would argue the opposite that, that, you know, they are, you know, if, if, if you are, uh, in earnest trying to master some mechanic and you go to somebody who is more entrenched in the community or more seasoned than you, then that person will say, let me show you how it's done. It goes like this. This is my right. interpretation of how you nail this mechanic. This is how you footsies, right? So I don't think that accessibility is being talked about in the correct way in the fighting game community. I think that the developers who are coming out with games like Rising Thunder or whatever um, have completely missed the mark. Now, that's not to say that, you know, games like that aren't going to be good or aren't worth playing. 
but I think that the people who are going to be playing those games are people who already know how to throw a Hadouken. Right. I don't... I think that it's... It's 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 complete. I think it's completely the wrong uh, the wrong way to go about it is to say people aren't um, people are are turned off by the idea of 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 these uh, you know pinpoint mechanics. So what would you say is the correct way to go about it? I think that <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough. I might not have a good answer, you know, but I don't think that it's this because. Again, like, all right, who's to, who's, who's to say that um, Overwatch is an easier game to pick up than Street Fighter V, right? Let's say, mm-hmm. let's say you're a person who just heard about video games yesterday, right. and somebody hands you a copy of Overwatch, and somebody hands you a copy of Street Fighter V, Right. Well, you're going to be screwed either way. Right. But the thing is, is that there are 30 million people playing Overwatch and not 30 million people playing Street Fighter V. About two. <laughs> so what's drawing people to these to these games, right? I, I don't think that anybody has uh, – I don't think that, like, humanity has this, um, you, you know, innate mastery over – um, o- o- over a, a first-person mouse and keyboard than they do a uh, 2.5D, uh, you know, f- the full character movement with a, with a, a, a stick, right? right? I don't think that that's the case. There might be people who take to one quicker than, than the other or vice versa, but there has to be something that's going on in, in, in a game like Overwatch. For example, then what's going on in um, uh, Blaze Blue, right? Right. So right, right. what do these, I mean, what's going on, right? There's, so, there's, uh, there's colorful, recognizable characters, uh, interesting Angel. lore, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, beautiful settings, yep. right? Uh, fan art, you know, if, if that's your jam, if, you, if you've got the chops, you yep. want to you want to upload some fan art there's I, I don't really see where the barrier is and i think that it is i think that it is uh it, it is wrong to say that it is the the learning curve um what could it possibly be i don't know i don't think that it is i don't think that it is community toxicity and i don't think that it is uh mechanical learning so what is it? I I don't know. I have some thoughts here. So yeah, I would say the accessibility thing is not. I would agree with you that it is perhaps not as big an issue as people think it is, which mm-hmm. is why I say it's not necessarily that we should be designing games. Though I will say, in general, I do support the idea of games with um, easier inputs. Uh, but that's kind of as far as it would go. Uh, but I don't think that, that that particular part of the equation is the magic bullet. Certainly. I totally agree with that. Uh, because the reality of the situation is that, like we just said, uh, if you gave a person who was completely uninitiated with gaming 
Street Fighter or Overwatch or Dota or League, either way, they're screwed. All those games are hard games to learn. Yep. Every competitive multiplayer game on the market right now is a hard game to learn. Mm -hmm. So what makes those games so much bigger, more beloved, and more and better received than fighting games? Uh, one, as I would say, perception. So fighting games are perceived as being really, really hard to learn against the likes of League, Dota, etc., etc. It's hard to really make a comparison. I mean, you and I have played uh, a little bit of MOBA and, and plenty of Street Fighter. Um, I would not be prepared to say that Street Fighter, Street Fighter is, or, or any other fighting game, is that much more complicated at base level to pick up. Though I will say, I will say this, that all the other games we've mentioned, you can start playing, like playing for real, much quicker. Like, there is, there is a wall to climb before you are playing fighting games for real. Uh, when you sit down and you're randomly pressing buttons and throwing out Hadoukens everywhere, you know, if, when you're throwing Hadoukens in somebody's face and, like, jumping and randomly pressing buttons and, you know, only doing jump-in hard kick, <laughs> jump-in punch or some shit... Uh, <laughs> When you're doing that, you're not playing the fighting game. You're you're just pressing buttons. So getting to the point where you're playing the game for real comes much, much, much further down the line, right? Yes, uh, I would I would agree with you on that point. In in the likes of the league, Dota, CS:GO, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you're playing the game for real pretty much off the bat. You may be doing so poorly. But you are playing the game for real. Mm -hmm. uh, and th that may be a sticking point. But again, I'm not sure that's the entire sticking point. Honestly, I think the biggest sticking point, if you had to ask me to identify one, is the fact that all those games are team games and Street Fighter is not. Because remember what we said right back at the beginning when we were laying out like what the appeal of fighting games are to us right right and the right. appeal for us is that you know if you are somebody like us who gets pissed at the idea of you know people constantly blaming their team for failing and being like oh I can't progress because the team sucks and or on the flip side even if you're not blaming them all the time the, the knowledge and the reality that's Regardless of what you do, you do need your team to be on point to survive in the likes of all those other games. Uh, then fighting games are a great refreshing um, sideshow, really, mm -hmm. because it is just you and the other person. If you lost, it's your fault. Period. If they won, it was because they were better than you. Right. So we talked about this, right? And we talked about how this is. Uh, this is probably a non-starter for a lot of people. That this is a total non-starter. That prospect of of your vulnerabilities being laid bare, of there being nothing for you to point at, for you to water down your loss. Yep. Right. Um, which goes back to the whole before you finish your thing, uh, which goes back to the whole idea we've been talking a lot about competitive mentality right 
and you know you look on the internet and people take their rank and take like people's egos when it comes to competitive gaming are extremely fragile mm-hmm. in fighting games you can't be like well I mean we do have some fragile egos in fighting games but uh, not nearly as fragile as you can find on average in most other games because anybody who has a fragile ego will not survive in fighting games yeah I'm period look, I'm looking end at, of story I'm looking at you Overwatch exactly Overwatch right now is like the poster child yeah so, but then again, this is, this is inherent to the genre. So, I guess the last question is, say this is inherent to the genre. There's no, this is, this is exactly it, right? Let's say right. It's, it's not the mechanics, it's not the characters, it's not the scene, it's not the toxicity. It's simply the fact that people aren't into the idea of going toe-to-toe. Right. Right. They like the idea of working with a team. They like uh, the idea of team comp. Uh, they don't like the idea of being, um, you know, of, of, of losing and having it be just them, right? Right. So let's say that's, that's it, right? Mm-hmm. And it is inherent to the fighting game world that this is, this is it. Um. And there is no way to properly come out with a, a, a tournament-ready fighting game that mitigates this aspect, this, in, this inherent, innate aspect of fighting games, right? Yep, yep. Are we okay with the scene having this, this glass ceiling of population, Right, where it will never be as popular simply because of the fact that this is a much bigger deal than any of us had realized. Are we okay with there being a new game every 10 years that brings in a whole bunch of new people, but there will never be 150,000 people watching on Twitch a random uh, local tournament? that isn't a big deal and is not on the Capcom Pro Tour. Are we okay with this? Or are we not okay with this? As long... I'll say this this way. As long as the scene can... If the scene remains as vibrant as it is right now... Yeah. Yes, I am okay with that. Okay, I agree. I agree. Because the the key... This is is the, the, the peril of anybody that's part of a subculture. Whether it's certain genres of music or certain TV shows you like, or very notably certain games you like, mm-hmm. where there's the constant tension between having enough people interested for the thing to survive and reaching mass popularity, which is when shit starts to get watered down. Right. Uh, a, a great rap line I'm going to drop on you now. Do it. Nas said about hip-hop, we used to be a ghetto secret, can't make my mind up if I want that or the whole world to peep it. And that is, to me, like, the perfect summation of all, like, kind of niche subcultures. Beautiful. Thank, and, thank and you, very, nice. And very emblematic of actually what happened to hip-hop, right? Mm-hmm. Hip-hop, as he said, used to be a ghetto secret. It was just a thing that was popping in the streets of New York. Uh, and now has gone to, Forbes says the other day, uh, I believe on the basis of like sound scan sales or whatever, uh, hip hop has now become the dominant genre in the United States. 
Yeah, or even the fact that Forbes is talking about yeah, hip hop at all. Forbes yeah. is talking about it. Great point. Yeah. So, and of course, there's plenty of people, myself included, who will go on at length about what mass popularity has done to hip hop as a genre. It's the same thing that goes on in literally every subculture. Mm-hmm. So right now, I think fighting games are in a pretty good place where obviously it is people still see a point in making them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's still plenty of people who are interested, uh, but it is not it has not reached a point where we have to be concerned with reaching Call of Duty or League numbers. So now we have to make all sorts of ridiculous concessions. I would actually argue that I think the age of streaming has been done wonders for the FGC because it has allowed for there to be a financial avenue for these games, even if the player counts are not there. Which actually, again, goes back to the idea. Like, this is the true esport. Like, all the, all the people that you hear, like, investing in esports that want to make this, like, a thing, generally speaking, always talk about, we want regular people to watch this. Regular people aren't going to watch League. You're not going to know what the fuck is going on in a League match or a CSGO match right. or Overwatch unless you've played the game. Yeah. It's just not going to make any sense. But the reason all of those games are humongous is because millions and millions and millions of people play the game. So, in the case of fighting games, you already have way more people that watch big tournaments like an Evo, a Combo Breaker, or what have you, than play those games on a regular basis. And I think those are what is fueling the the current economy, which is fine. Mm -hmm. That's perfectly fine. So I think that right now we are approaching a comfortable medium. Uh, and, and last thing I'll say is to the point of, well, how do you address the idea that if fragile egos are the big barrier to getting people into the scene, and I, I really think it is, then how do you address that? The closest thing that I could come up with is to have uh, something to build games where it is possible to do basically kind of bringing back the idea of clans where let's say you, me, Dingus could get together it's Injustice 2 someone has this where they have guilds uh, where you can get together as a group and um, play together and earn like in-game loot together etc etc like that's the kind of thing I would like to see more of where it encourages people to uh, mechanics that encourage people to play with their friends on a regular basis uh, and as groups of friends against other groups of friends and incur- and mechanics built in that encourage improvement. Yes. I and, and I would say that if there was a more concerted effort on, the beha- on behalf of specifically this community and again – really hasn't been that much of a problem in the past but if if uh if we all come to this consensus right where the reason why the scene isn't growing exponentially is because of this thing people are scared right 
if there was a concerted effort to be the most welcoming to try to mitigate the fact that it was that is that it is also the scariest yep. sport to enter then then maybe that could do something too because if you're saying like okay if there's a there's a mechanic to encourage this and encourage that it like all of those things could be done by this like this like uh you know, group mentor mentality. Right. Where nobody is, you know, uh, uh, unless you're, unless you're at this like, you know, top tier com- competition level, right? Cause you wouldn't even get that far if you don't have this at the, at the lower levels. Right. But you know, y- if you have this whole mentality where it's like, listen, I get it. It's scary. It's a tough game. You, you're, you're going to get embarrassed, but, but you come in here, you show up to a, a local throwdown. We will make absolutely certain that you will not have a bad time, even if you lose. Right. Right. You, you come here and you make a good faith effort to put yourself out there. Even if you're just playing friendlies on the side, Right. Mm-hmm. You are not going to be shamed. You are not going to be embarrassed. We have all lost more than our fair share of matches. This is how we got here. Right. Right. If right. this, I, I think that if this was a more well-known phenomenon, then a, a few more people would come out of the woodworks. I would totally agree with that. Actually, in fact, I'm going to go as far as say. Uh, I commit here. We need to get Prague back on here because this is something we talked about at length, um, actually after the DBZ conversation, which is the real need. Because right now the problem is that everybody is so busy chasing the bloodthirsty competition Mm -hmm. that you really don't have people who are – there are a few voices, like prominent people like – shout out to James Chen, uh, legendary commentator and does a lot of – very helpful streams that I'm actually using at right now to try and get people up to speed mm-hmm. with some of the more granular aspects of the game. Uh, but we need more people like that at every, you know, in every local scene who are making the case for people to not be afraid to come out and not be good. Like, that's what we need. That is where the community has to do better, is they have to make an effort to make a space for people to be bad and that be an okay thing. Exactly. Exactly. And and this is how you end up being good in a fighting game, as you said, involves a lot of being bad. Right. And this is, and I think this is how you end up with a lot of the toxic behavior in a lot of the more popular games where, you know, I think you get a lot of people coming in saying like, Oh, well it's okay if I'm bad because it's a team effort you know, there's, there's less of this bearing yourself to the, to the broader, you know, audience. And you come in, you do a lot of the learning by yourself. Right. And since nobody has this, you know, um, this like humility hammered into them in the beginning, you end up being a decent player with a lot of shit to say and not a whole lot of like speed bumps to get where you're at. Right. 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 So you end up with people saying like, pick it up, 
guy. You know, this is, you know, we're all here. You know, I got here without any help. Like, you get here. You get here too. And this is, this is why, you know, you don't see that in fighting games because there's this, there's this built in humility that you need a base layer of to step foot in and this built up humility that you get from losing your way to the top essentially. And if this is something that is like well known, if this is something that is broadcast, if this is something that is saying, Hey, listen, we're here to help you because you're going to lose, but we're here to make sure it doesn't suck when you do. Right. Then, you know, you, you are, you are actively fostering a positive grassroots community. And I think we are really more than halfway there. I would agree with that. I would say the other thing is that, uh, I think that they have to be a good effort to really incentivize people to actually come out. Mm-hmm. because uh, these games live and die on in-person play. And I think that's another big, big reason why, I mean, the FGC is pretty childish in a lot of ways, but you don't get the same level of, like, for example, casual racism and, and all the other isms running around at nearly the same level as you do in all the other esports because mm-hmm. there is a very strong, at the end of the day, the real game is when you go out in a person to an event. Yes. And you actually have to behave yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have to shake hands with a person when you're done, you know? Mm-hmm. So there is a a very base level of standards that are enforced. Uh, but at the same time, I think that's what gives the, the scene its magic. So I think there also has to be that effort to get people to want to come out to things and and be a part of that as well. Uh, agree wholeheartedly. But if we do all those things, I would say that the fu- future of the FGC is pretty damn bright. I would say the same, and I think that's a great way to um, to wrap up our, our fighting game suite. Um, I hope we did the the FGC some justice. We uh, we put it a little bit of it into perspective from those on the outside, and. Uh, it's always an ongoing thing. We're always talking about fighting games in general uh, on this podcast, but uh, it felt good to, to focus, to kind of like hone in and focus on it for a little bit, especially with, with Evo around. So, um, I that, agree. I had a lot of fun with this set. Definitely. That, so, so that's it for this week, but we'll be, we'll be back next week, obviously, with, uh, with a new episode uh, talking about something else. And uh, but in, if if you want to get uh, uh, more of uh, your frog snacks fill in between uh, today and, and next week, you can check us out on Twitter at frog snacks on Instagram at frog snacks podcast. I'm having a ton of fun with the uh, switches innate uh, screenshot capability. Um, I can upload them straight to Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and especially with Splatoon 2 out and like all of the amazing, hilarious stuff that people are, are doing with the, with the, uh, you know, Miiverse 2.0 doodle system. It's just yep. really, it's daily laughs over there in Inkopolis. So check us out there. And obviously we're on, uh, Apple podcasts and you can rate and review and subscribe to us there. And we've got our website as always, frogsnext.net. So check us out there and we will see you guys next week. Later everybody. Peace.